Today we're, we're talking about greatness. We're talking about what does the Bible say about greatness. In 2002, there was uh, a rap artist, a, a guy named Eminem. Some of you may have heard of him. Uh, he came out with a song called Lose Yourself. Anybody remember that song? It's okay. You can. You can it's okay. Yeah, it's all right. Um, and this song, it, 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 the concept of the song is if you had one shot, if you had one opportunity to seize at greatness, would you capture it? Would you capture greatness or would you just let it slip by? And the song follows this young guy who wants to make it in the rap business. And he's getting ready to step out onto the stage. And there are thousands of people out on the stage. And he wants to come out there and and, and just impress everybody. But then he starts to become fearful. And he starts to, you know, get afraid. He starts to become paralyzed with fear. And he just freezes up. And then the music sort of swells. And then the beat comes up. And then the hook comes in. And it says... You know, you better lose yourself in the music, the moment. You own it. You better never let it go. You only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. Because opportunity comes once in a lifetime. I just really needed to do that today. I just been looking forward to that all week. The song won an Academy Award for Best Original Song in 2003, won the Grammy Award for Best Rap Song in 2004. It was certified quintuple platinum by the Recording Industry Association of America. It's been downloaded to date over 7 million times in the USA. And the question is why? This is just a, a rap song. Why did that song, you know, trip the hearts of millions in, of people around the world? And I think what it is is that it taps into a sense, a longing, a desire that every single man, woman, boy, and girl feels in their life. Everybody wants to do something of significance. Everybody in your heart, somewhere deep down, may be buried, it may be calloused, it may be jaded, but somewhere deep down, you want to do something of importance. You don't want your life just to slip by. You want to reach out and you want to touch greatness. Now, last week we started our series called You Were Made For, and we talked about what the Bible teaches us, that you were made for a purpose. If you didn't hear that sermon, I invite you to go on to our website. You can download it or you can get a podcast, listen to it on your way to work. But the Bible teaches that you were made for a purpose. You were uniquely designed, you were specifically known, and you were made for a purpose. You've been authorized to live out a life that God designed for you. And today we get more specific. We get into one of the purposes for which God made you, and we explore the biblical idea that God actually made you for greatness. Now, here's one thing that I know about you, no matter who you are, no matter if you're a believer or not, or if you are a skeptic or a cynic or a seeker or whatever. One thing that I know about you, because it's true of every human being, is that uh, you admire greatness in others. And you aspire to greatness for yourself. You admire it in others, and you aspire to it yourself. You do not applaud mediocrity. You do not get excited with normalcy. You do not shout and jump around when somebody just does what is expected of them. You 
get excited when somebody reaches beyond what you think they can achieve, what they think they can achieve, and stretches out and touches something greater than they could have ever imagined. That's what makes your heart beat. Now, for different people, it might be different things. For you, greatness may be excellence in business and industry. You may get excited when you learn about an entrepreneur or a business person who develops a product that, that makes life easier for everyone. It's simple and it's clean and it, and, it, and it just changes, it transforms the world. That may mean greatness to you. You may see that and think greatness. Or maybe for you it's somebody who steps out and, and, and fights against oppressive powers of bigotry and racism and they fight for social change and they, and they come out and they just, they just transform the world in culture because they're trying to achieve something that doesn't yet exist and you see that and you think greatness. Or maybe for you it's someone who spends their time reaching out to the oppressed and the poor and the marginalized and they spill their life out feeding the poor and clothing the naked. And when you see them, you think greatness. Or maybe for you, it's someone who reaches beyond their limitations physically in the athletic arena. You see someone who stretches and tries harder than everybody else and does the impossible. And you, read and you, you see that person and you look at that person and you think, that is greatness. Or maybe for you it's innovation and creativity in the arts and music. Somebody that can sing a song and touch the lives of millions. Who can tap into the hurts and the frustrations of you know, millions of people around the world. And you see that or you hear that and you think greatness. So whoever you are, wherever you are, you admire greatness in others. And somewhere in your heart you aspire to it for yourself. Why is that? Why is it that we desire greatness? And near the end of Jesus' life, he was with his disciples and he was spending time with them. He knew he was about to be crucified and, and he just spent, you know, you know, I don't know if it was days, but just, just explaining everything, just pouring everything out, everything he wanted them to know before he was going to die. And one of the things that he poured out to them right before his death was this. And here's something that he said, and it was shocking to them and it's shocking to us. He said this. I'm telling you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater works than these. Now, this was shocking to the disciples because the disciples had seen Jesus lay his hands on the sick, and they were healed. He had seen him cleanse people who were oppressed with evil spirits. He had seen, they had seen him feed multitudes with just you know some loaves and fishes. They had seen him walk on water. They had seen him raise the dead. And so when they heard this, they thought, this is, this is impossible. What are you thinking? And Jesus is saying, look, you were made for greatness. You were made to do things that you don't even believe you can do. He's saying you were made for greatness. Why does your heart beat a little faster when you hear the voice of Martin Luther King ring across the ages? Why do you get chills when you hear an exquisite piece of music? Why does your pulse race when you see a beautiful piece of art? Why do you shout at the TV screen when you see Odell Beckham Jr. catch an impossible pass? Why are you brought to tears when you see Mother Teresa feeding the poor? 
I would propose to you that it's because somewhere deep down in your heart, you know that you were made for greatness. Today, some of you in the theater here uh, are sitting here and you're not totally confident or sure about what you believe about Jesus and the Bible and Christianity, and so you're checking it out. You're just getting a feel for it. Um, This is a good day for you to be here because you get to experience a little bit about what Jesus says about why you were made. And you can just take that in and listen to that. If you are a believer or you're a follower of Jesus today, this is important because this is where you start to crack open your heart and your mind and understand that you weren't just made for normalcy. You weren't just made to get by. You weren't just made to let life just slip on by. You were absolutely made for greatness. And sometimes as Christians, we actually get this confused. Because we confuse greatness with pride or arrogance. And so we say, well, maybe we maybe as Christians, we shouldn't try to we shouldn't try to reach further. We shouldn't try to strive harder. We should just kind of hunker down and wait for the glory train to come and pick me up and take me up to my little cabin in the sky over in glory and just hunker down and wait. You know, Jesus will come and swoop me up. And Jesus is saying, no, that's not what I've called you to do. I've called you to live out greatness right here and now. Men, I think we a lot of times get this confused in our mind. Men look at Christianity a lot of times and they see weakness or they see softness or they see servility. And they think, you know what, I just, that's not interesting to me. I don't want to be a part of that. But Jesus is not calling us to weakness. He's calling us to meekness. And there's a big difference between meekness and weakness. Meekness means I have the strength to destroy, but I have the sensitivity to restore. He's calling us to service, not servility. Service means I have the power to look after myself, but I have the will to look after somebody who's not as strong as me. So I'm going to serve them. So you see, God is not opposed to greatness. In fact, God is calling you to a greatness that exceeds your own expectations and abilities. God is calling you to do things that you don't believe you can do. Because you can't on your own. He's calling you to do things that you can only do by the power of his spirit. When God met Moses at the burning bush, God said to Moses, Moses, I have a job for you. I want you to go down to Pharaoh. I, I want you to go to Egypt. Tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And, you, you know, I've, I've told you this many times. Moses' response is all of our response. Moses said, I can't do it. I'm, I don't talk right. I'm, I'm, I've been wandering around talking to sheep for 40 years. I don't have any power. I don't have any miraculous strength. I don't have any connections. I don't have anything. I am the wrong man for this job, God. And Moses said, look, I, God said, I'm not asking you to, to do something that you can do on your own. I'm calling you to do something that I can do through you. That's That's what I'm calling you to do. One of the judges in Israel, a man named Gideon, uh, in the time of Gideon, the the Midianites, which was a a, a, a marauding sort of tribe, had come into Israel and they were uh, destroying the the crops. They were burning the crops. They were killing all of the sheep and the the cattle of, of the Israelites. And so this Gideon was hiding with his family in the hills. They were hiding up in the caves. And God came to Gideon and said, Gideon, I want you to form an army, and I want you to fight the Midianites. 
And Gideon's response is great. If you read the, the book of Judges, I think it's chapters 5 through 7. One thing he does, he, makes, he does all these tests. He puts out a fleece and he does this and all this. Just double checking, just triple checking, Lord. Are you serious? You quadruple check. And then he has this conversation with God. And he says, God, my tribe, my clan, the Manasseh clan, we're the weakest clan in all of Israel. And my family, we're the weakest family in our weak clan. And I'm the weakest son in my weak family in this weak clan. I'm the wrong guy. I don't have what it takes. And God says, I'm not calling you to do something that you can do on your own. I'm calling you to do something that I can do through you. God's calling you to do things that you just can't do on your own, that you believe that you can't do, and you're right to believe that. He's calling you to do some things in your relationship. He's calling you to do some things at school. He's calling you to do some things on your job, in the community, at your church, that you don't believe you can do because you can't. You can only do them by the power of the Holy Spirit in you. But that's what he's calling us to do. He's not calling us to do small things. He's calling us to do great things. The Apostle Paul, he was, had been traveling the world, preaching Jesus to everybody, preaching this gospel, blowing everybody's minds. You know, the world was getting turned upside down. He gets arrested, and he's sitting in a jail, and it was unclear at all whether he was going to get out. And at that point, there's a lot of responses that he could have had. He could have just simply sort of hung his head and said, all right, well, I did my best, done all I can do. I don't think I can do anymore. But here's what he did. He sat down. And he wrote a letter to one of the churches that he had planted. And look what he said in this passage. He said in this letter, he said, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it on my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward, reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on, he said, toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I want to touch the greatness that God has, not me, him. And I'm going to keep straining towards that, even in this jail cell. I'm going to just keep striving for more of what God has for me. I was made for greatness. Now, if you will concede with me for the moment that, yes, somewhere deep in your heart, you do admire and aspire to greatness. You admire it in others. And somewhere for the moment, you'll concede that Perhaps Jesus' statement is true. You were made for greatness. You were made for more than just getting by. Then the question that immediately arises is, how do we do that? How do I start to lead this life of greatness? How do I begin to pursue it? Jesus' disciples were having that same discussion, that same question. In fact, they were all arguing about who was going to be the greatest, and they were all listing their accolades, and I did this, I said this, I, you know, I got more fish than you and you know you know I made more cabinets than you and you know so they were comparing all of their strengths and all of their you know accolades right and Jesus they finally came to Jesus with this and said all right so who's going to be greatest in your kingdom and Jesus's response rings as true today as it did back then he said the greatest among you is going to be the servant of all that's who's going to be the greatest now when you first read that you think now wait a minute so Servant, does that mean that, you know, this seems like not great. Servant means like, it seems like, you know, do I just not try to achieve? Am I supposed to, am I supposed to just sort of, you know, keep all my desires and my hopes and my dreams down? Jesus did not condemn them for desiring greatness. 
He said, this is how you get it. And I think what he's saying is that we begin to achieve greatness by anticipating and addressing the needs of others in our current sphere, our current sphere of influence. Now, what does that mean? We begin experiencing greatness. We begin developing greatness when we anticipate and address somebody else's needs in the world. A mom begins to achieve greatness when she anticipates and addresses the needs of a child. She starts to become a great mom. An employee starts to become a great employee when he starts anticipating and addressing the needs of his employer. He starts to become a great, because he's serving. See, a great doctor is a doctor who anticipates and addresses the needs of his patient. Wherever you are in your life, when you begin to anticipate and address the needs of others, you are starting to walk down the path of greatness. And the brilliant part about this is you can do that right here, right now, in your current sphere of influence. Greatness doesn't have to be some abstract concept way out somewhere else where you say, there's no way I can be great, I'm just a... Right? No. You can be great right now. You can be, you can be a great plumber. You can be a great carpenter. You can be a great musician. You can start to achieve greatness right here, right now, in your current sphere of influence. I've had a ton of crazy jobs in my life. When I was younger, I just, you know, I like to work. I enjoy work. So I'll just take a job, and I'll just work. And I had a, a job. I listed a few of them. I worked on a sheet metal press. I worked in the hay fields. I delivered pizza. I delivered donuts. I worked as a waiter. I did deliver donuts to fraternities and sororities on campus. That was strange. It was a weird job. I delivered donuts. I was a stock boy. I was a cart boy. I was a cashier. I really actually was a good cart boy at Sam's Club. Cart person. And uh, 32 carts at once was my record at that time. Cart boy. I was a cashier. I was a driver. I was a gopher. I even had a job milking cows for a while. I've done everything, you know, that, that you can do. Uh, and there were times that I would look around and thought, there's no greatness here. This is not great. It is not great. Milking cows is not great, all right? Pulling 32 carts, and the way you get 32 is you don't push from behind. You get a rope, put it on the last one, and you pull them. And I try to tell cart people that all the time. Every time I go to a store, it's like, if you'd listen to me. But there were times it wasn't great, okay? But God in his word showed something to me that has taken me time to get. But when I began to get it, it was transformative to me. Here's what Jesus said in Luke 16. He said, whoever can be trusted with little can also be trusted with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Jesus said, look, here's what I want you to do. I want you to anticipate and address the needs in your current sphere of influence. And then I'm going to take you into the sphere of influence where I designed you to be. He wants you to serve right here, right now. Begin to achieve greatness here. And then he takes you into the sphere of influence that he designed for you. Here's another way of saying it. We grow in greatness as we serve others in the sphere of influence for which we were uniquely designed. We grow in our greatness as we move into that sphere of influence for which we were uniquely designed. 
Uh, David Stewart, some of you may know him, grew up in a poor family in Chicago, Illinois. His mother was a homemaker. His father was a mechanic. He faced discrimination, bigotry, poverty, loneliness as a boy. Now he owns one of the largest African-American-owned businesses in the entire world. And it's right here in St. Louis. It's called Worldwide Technology. And in an interview in Forbes magazine, Stewart was asked about his vision for business. And the interviewer was confused because Stewart kept talking about service, serving, and the interviewer kept talking about maximizing profit. And so they were like kind of at this crossways. And finally, the interviewer said this. He said, Mr. Stewart, isn't the goal of business to maximize profit? And Mr. Stewart answered, and this is a quote, serve first. Serve first and bring value and make a difference in someone else's life. If you do in due season, that will turn around to benefit you in a big way. And then he quoted Martin Luther King. He said, everybody can be great because everybody can serve. He's saying, if you're faithful right here, God's going to move you into the area where he wants you to be. So you may not be right now in the place where you say, ah, this is where I belong. This is it for me. I'm happy and I'm, I'm, like, a, I'm like a hand in a glove. I'm like a duck in the water. I'm just cruising through. Like this is right where I want to be. You might not be there right now. But God's saying, I want you to be faithful right here where you're at. And that as you're faithful here, I'm going to move you to the place that I want you to be. There was a, a, a young man 3,000 years ago who had this incredible creativity. He was bright. He could write music. He could write poetry. Uh, he was, had these, this, this way of expressing himself that was just exquisite. Uh, and he was also uh, brave. He had this uncanny sense of being able to put his faith in God in different times. And, uh, and, and he just had all of this talent and all of this ability and all this strength, but there was really no outlet for him. He was the youngest of eight brothers, uh, and he had actually eight older brothers. He was the youngest of nine brothers, and he was sort of relegated out onto the back fields of his father's property, watching his father's sheep. His job was to hang out with the sheep, the young brother, just like, that's all you get to do. And so there was no way for him to really express all of the stuff that he had to pour out of his life, all the desires, the desire for greatness and all of this. Um, but what he did was, he, instead of just hanging out and doing nothing, he started saying, well, what could I do here? Where, how could I anticipate and address the needs of others? And he said, all right, well, what happens if somebody comes or something comes and attacks my dad's sheep? So he got a sling, and he got a rock, and he started practicing. Like, you know, shoo, 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 throwing that sling, right? And he started getting good at it. Just faithful, faithful, practicing, practicing. And soon enough, a bear came out of the hills of Bethlehem, and David picked up his sling, slung it over his head, took out the bear. A few, some other time later, a lion came down from the hills of Bethlehem to come after the sheep. David did it again. Boom, right? He was addressing and anticipating the needs right there in the current sphere of influence. Next thing was, you know the story, a giant started coming, and the, and the Philistines were attacking Israel, and... Uh, David was the one who stepped up, right? And look what God said. Look what God said to David. He couldn't have drawn a a finer point on it. He said this, David, I took you from the pasture, following the sheep. I love how it says following the sheep. You know, he wasn't even leading the sheep. He was just following the sheep. (laughs) I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, 
that you should be prince over my people Israel. He said, I took you from the pasture and I put you in the palace. Why? Because you were faithful in the pasture and I trust you to be faithful in the palace. You were faithful with your dad's sheep. So I trust you to be faithful with my people. And then he said this. Uh, I will make for you a great name, a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. God sees your faithfulness where you're at, and he brings you into the sphere of influence where he desires you to be, wherever that is. So that, this means don't rush, don't worry, don't fret. Be faithful where you're at. Be faithful in the relationship. Be faithful on the job. Be faithful in the school. And, and, and trust God and work it out and be faithful right here and now, and he's going to walk you forward. Then he brings us somehow, someday, to what is the pinnacle of greatness for life. And the pinnacle of greatness is this. The pinnacle of greatness is the expression of love through sacrifice. This is, this is true greatness. This is greatness that exceeds everything else. The greatest attribute, the greatest virtue, the greatest force, the greatest goal in all of the world is love. Greatest commandment is to love God, love your neighbor. Love is the greatest force in the world. The Apostle Paul said it like this. He said, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Right? So love is the greatest force in the world. Greatness, you see it in this passage, the greatest of these is love. Greatness is tied to love. If you don't love, there's no greatness. Love is what brings greatness out of people. And the way to express love, the scripture says, the ultimate expression of love is sacrifice. John 15, 13, Jesus said this. He said, no one has greater love than this, that he would lay down his life for his friend. You want to experience true greatness. It's not about what you accrue to yourself. It's not about what you amass to yourself. It's not about, you know, the fame that you may achieve for yourself. It has nothing to do with it with that. It's it's what you pour out of yourself. It's how much you're willing to sacrifice. Do you serve with all your heart? Do you give with all of your heart? Do you sacrifice with all of your heart? Do you love with all of your heart, that's where you begin to touch greatness. That's where you begin to stretch out and touch what God made you for. So specifically, how do I do that, right? I mean, how do I do that right now? How do I do that? And the good thing is you already know the answer, so I'm just going to give you the questions, okay? Ask yourself this. Number one, where can I serve? Where can I serve? Where can I Step out and make a difference in my job, in my family, in my school, in my church, my community. Where can I serve? Where can I step up in my service? And number two, where can I give? Where can I pour out more? Where can I sacrifice? Where can I be a part of something that's greater than me, a cause that I believe in? Where can I do that? That's where you start to begin to touch greatness, and you know the answer to that for yourself. And the third one is this. Where can I step deeper into my purpose? Where can I begin to step deeper and deeper into my purpose? There's an old uh, gospel blues musician named Washington Phillips. And 1927, uh, he recorded a song called, I am born to preach the gospel, and I sure do love my job. That's a long song title. Um, but I love that song because 
that takes the words out of my mouth. I love what I'm doing. I praise God every morning. I love being a pastor. I love our church. I love our leaders. I love our members. I love our visitors. I love this. I love you. I, I, I just, I praise God that, that, you know, at this point in my life, God finally brought me into the place where I'm supposed to be. But it wasn't always this way for me. There were years, years where I was in the pasture and in the wilderness and trying to find my way and trying to, trying to get there. Uh, not faithful all the time, often not faithful. But God really began to work on my heart. So wherever you are, wherever you're at on this journey, we want to help you take the next step on that. And you can begin doing that today. You can begin saying, all right, I'm going to submit my heart to God today. I'm going to submit my life today. I'm going to yield my life today to God because God made you, made you for a purpose, and he didn't make you for mediocrity, and he didn't make you for normalcy, and he didn't make you so that life would pass you by. So you better lose yourself in the music, the moment. You own it. You better never let it go. Because you were made for greatness. Let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Open hearts, open minds. Thankful for your love, your grace, your mercy that you've already extended to us. God, we praise you right here where we are. 